Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's a roundtable. Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I do a state of the Browns. We go through uh, a few different areas and we give them ratings one through 10. We asked our football insider subscribers to help us out and give us their ratings as well. So if you missed that because you're not a football insider subscriber and you're like, Hey, I want to get involved in that. And on top of that, you want a daily newsletter, you want access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. And to be one of those text subscribers, you got to go to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, click that, get info, Get signed up. All right, here we go. Our State of the Browns Roundtable on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on a Monday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We're going to talk about the state of the Cleveland Browns. And uh, we, what I did was I asked our Football Insider subscribers to rate various areas of the team. And the way I kind of did it was, you know, you kind of look at the big three, which are your front office, your coaching staff, and your quarterback. But then I also included just sort of overall offensive talent, overall defensive talent, too. And, and I threw ownership in there as well, because I think that's part of the equation. Uh, so they went in. Uh, they gave us, gave us some ratings, 1 to 10, 10 being the most confident. Now let's just start with this one, the Browns front office. I'm going to include Paul DePodesta in this as well, along with Andrew Barry. Uh, and just sort of the, the general front office staff and, and their approach. So our football insider subscribers on that scale of one to 10, it came out to an average of an eight. And that's where most of the answers were. A few people went really low, but most people were in that seven to 10 range with most landing at eight. Mary Kay, when you look at this front office, what is your long-term confidence level in them one to 10? You know, I agree with the textures. I said eight as well. And I think the reason why I put it at eight right now uh, is because I think the, the front office, the GM, Paul D. Podesta, I think everyone in the organization, I think they're at a crossroads right now. And I think they're in that place at the moment because of the quarterback situation. I don't think that uh, any team is really going to have long-term sustained success unless they have a really good quarterback an excellent quarterback play. And I think that right now uh, it's incumbent upon them to figure out what they're doing at that position. Are they going to run it back with Baker Mayfield and see if they can build around him enough uh, that they can get him playing up to the level of a Joe Burrow and a Josh Allen and a Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? Uh, are, are they going to try to sign a veteran this off season? Are they going to give it one year with Baker Mayfield 
and see how he does and then try to figure it out next year when it's also a better draft class next year. So I think they have a very tough decision to make. And the reason why I think it is imperative that they get it right this year is because they have a good defense hanging in the balance and they risk losing guys on the defensive side of the ball. If they don't supply that, uh, that defense with a really good quarterback or really good quarterback play, if it's going to come from Baker Mayfield. So I would have put it higher because I really like the fact that there's alignment. Uh, I, I like the personalities involved. Uh, you know, you, you have to like Paul DePodesta. You like Andrew Barry. You like the fact that they are aligned with the coaching staff, uh, but they have to get this right. It's vitally important. And they're on the clock right now. Scott, eight is still pretty high. Where, where did you have them? I mean, I, can we go eight and a half? I mean, can we go half? Sure, we have to do whole numbers? <laughs> at, at least eight, because I don't know. When I think about what's happened with this team and the moves that they've made, uh, specifically the things that they've done addition-wise since they showed up, this front office, I, like the list of misses is very short. Um, you know, they inherited the OBJ situation they inherited baker um but other than that they've done a great job of turning things around and really supplying the coaching staff with an upgrade in talent and you can't do it all at once but you know they they took care of things in in chunks over these first two years and yeah there's still work to be done but they're in a really good place right now so i i mean looking at the draft and how many of those players were able to contribute um and the free agents they brought in I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can go any lower than that. I think you have to be confident and maybe it's just because maybe we're subconsciously thinking about what came before them. Uh, but, you know, people were talking about this front office as one of the best in the league before this past season. And I don't think this past season really did anything to change that. So I, I went with a nine um, and you know, eight, like I said, eight, eight and a half, that nine range feels about right. And I did it because, you know, I think they inherited a good, but incomplete roster. And I think we've seen Andrew Barry and the staff really attack areas of this roster each and every season. Right. So it was, you know, it was protection and they added some tight ends to kind of run that Kevin Stefanski offense in year one. It was the defense really aggressively in year two you know, year three, it feels like it's going to be kind of circling back to the offensive side and, and the passing game. Uh, we, you know, we'll kind of see what they do there. But it just feels like when it, there's been a problem that needs fixed, Andrew Barry has been able to go out and do it. I thought the way they handled the Odell situation, maybe the, the case could be made that they should have traded him before the season. But I thought they, you know, when it came to a head and they kind of forced their hand, I thought they handled it fine. Uh, they, they helped him out too, I think, which is going to, pay off long-term. You hope that other people see that, that even in that bad situation, they kind of did Odell a little bit of a favor there. So I'm going to give them a nine right now. I do agree with you, Mary Kay. A lot of their future success hinges on what they decide at quarterback, uh, but I'm still pretty confident in this group moving forward. So I'm going to give them a nine long-term. Ashley, what did you have? 
Yeah, I had them at eight and a half for, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about stability later on, but when I think of Andrew Barry, like that's the number one adjective that comes to mind, especially, you know, like Scott was saying, are we comparing them to the past regimes, like recent past regimes? And I think that is part of it because it just is so different. Like, I think I can't, I wasn't around in the building to witness some of that stuff, but even just as an outside observer, like had the Odell stuff happened, you know, a few years ago. Um, I don't know that everything would have played out how it did. And it was, you know, for as kind of dramatic as that week was, it could have been a lot worse, I think. But I think overall, you know, you look at the draft and we've talked about that first draft class, maybe still some question marks by, but his first two picks, Andrew Berry's first two picks this last draft were out of the park in terms of Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. And he is a guy who I feel like knows what he wants and, the case of JOK, he traded up to get him, even though that was maybe a bit unconventional. Um, but on the same time, you know, what, like Mary Kay was saying, what kept me from going higher is there are some big decisions looming in the next year, two years that this front office is going to have to make. So I still think I'm pretty high on them and, and the outlook, but there's a lot of big choices coming up. Okay, so that brings us to a, uh, you know, with our football insiders, with our ratings, uh, doing a little quick math here on the fly. Uh, we're giving the front office an 8.4. So see, Scott, we are going decimals here. We're going extreme go. decimals. We got to be one. specific, right? We want to get right <laughs> I, down well, to it. I only did by 0. 0.5, so. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they don't hear this and they're like, oh, come on, we're totally an 8.6. Come on, guys. That's not fair. All right, let, let's move to the coaching staff. And our football insider subscribers went a little bit lower on this one. They went with a 7 We've had a lot of discussions about this coaching staff. I think we gave Kevin Stefanski the biggest step back award. If you want to call that an award on, on our round table for that. Uh, Scott, where did you have the coaching staff here? Well, I dissented on the, st- on the step back award. <laughs> I just want to go on record. So I probably have it higher than most. I, I think I'm probably putting more weight on the situation the coaching staff found itself in with injury and just, players taking a step back and just a lack of execution in key situations. Um, I mean, I'm going to say a seven for the coaching staff. Uh, You know, I still have confidence in Kevin Stefanski as a play caller. Um, He still has, you know, still going to have his, obviously his offense is going to be uh, for the most part, the same. Uh, He's got his defensive coordinator. who's coming off a really good year and his defense really just seemed to click. Uh, the more the season went on. So, yeah, I think I'm guessing most people are probably going to go uh, a little lower, but I, I don't know. I, seven seems like a good number for me. I actually went higher. I, I went with an eight on this one. Apparently I feel really good about the, the people <laughs> in charge. I, I, I went with an eight uh, just because, again, I think some of this is comparing to previous regimes. Some of this is like, oh, my God, how would Freddie Kitchens have been in this moment? How would – you know, Hugh Jackson or Mike Pettin or whomever, how would these guys have handled this moment? And I think that stability and that calmness and almost like, not almost, that really boring approach to things, I think has helped. Now this coaching staff has to take a step forward. They have to continue to grow. And I don't think we necessarily saw that this year, but I'm still confident that you, I think you found your long-term answer as your head coach. And the other thing too here, Mary Kay, is I'm looking like even with the down year, that they had 
you know, Chad O'Shea is getting an interview as an offensive coordinator, or, or he had one, he didn't get the job. You know, Drew Petzing is going to interview for offensive coordinator for, for the Raiders. So this staff still has a lot of young upcoming guys on it. You know, Callie Brownson as well. Uh, you know, she's going to be doing the, the USA football thing this summer. So she's still kind of, you know, an up and comer too. So I, I still like the upside of this staff. So maybe I went a little high on this with an eight, but I, I, I feel comfortable with it. You know, I went with an eight as well, because uh, for some of the same reasons uh, that you did and for some of the same things that Scott said, I feel like uh, this coaching staff, staff had a lot of extenuating circumstances to deal with this season, a lot of injuries. Let's start with one to their quarterback. And, you know, we don't know the full extent of it yet, uh, but uh, to hear some of the players and to, to hear Baker Mayfield tell it, uh, that it was fairly significant in terms of the impact on his performance this season. And then, you know, take your all pro right tackle out of the mix for most of the season. I mean, that is very, very significant. Uh, take your all pro left tackle and, and have him have a down year because he's not himself. And then um, take your X receiver, your number one receiver completely off the table mid season, leaving you with no way to really stretch the defense uh, thereby leaving defenses to be able to sort of stack the box and, uh, you know, try to eliminate your running power a little bit. So I, I think it was a lot to overcome. I think trying to hold the team together uh, in the aftermath of, of Odell Beckham Jr. was quite challenging. And uh, there was still a lot of COVID. I mean, they had a week where 24 players tested positive in one week, and it was tough to go out and play and win a football game. Had another situation where Kevin Stefanski couldn't coach a game. So I think it was still a really challenging, challenging year in that regard. But just in terms of the confidence, and that's really what this exercise is about, confidence in the coaching staff. I think they have the right guy. So that's why I'm going with an eight, because once they get the right people in place, and they obviously need some new weapons on offense, they might even need a new quarterback sooner than later, uh, once they get those pieces in place, I still think they have the right coach. Ashley, where'd you go with this? I gave coach a 7.5 so far. And I agree with Mary Kay in terms of like the injuries, I'm willing to give them some leeway uh, with that. And knowing all that they were up against, that was somewhat out of their control, but, and I don't want to relitigate the entire conversation that we had on the tight ends podcast. But for me, like the biggest question with some of this 13 personnel stuff, especially end scheme is how much of this had to do with limitations due to things like injuries due to Baker Mayfield's injuries in particular, how much of it had to do with Kevin Stefanski's confidence in Baker Mayfield, his trust in Baker Mayfield, and how much of it had to do with, is he, are they just trying to outsmart everyone else? And is it just not working? So I think those are like really the only questions to me, but I know we've talked in this podcast before, like, I don't think anyone is, is questioning whether or not, uh, you know, this is the guy who should be in charge right now. Like, I think we're all in lockstep on that, but there were certain questions I think right now for me that just kept me from going slightly higher with this rating. Okay. So we landed on seven and a half as a consensus when we factor in our votes and the football insider number, yes. uh, we came away with seven and a half. I apparently have the least confidence of everybody here. I'm so. surprised. I, I did not realize that was going to be the case. I feel like I should change it now. <laughs> Scott thought he was going high and he ends up being the, the low one on this. Okay. 
Those were the easy ones. This is the tough one. This is kind of the third prong here when, when we get to sort of, I, th I think, what makes successful organizations. And I think what makes this difficult to talk about is we're, to me, this is a bigger discussion than Baker Mayfield. This isn't a question like how much confidence do you have in Baker Mayfield? This is a question of how much confidence do you have in the quarterback position long-term, which is a complicated question because we have no idea what that looks like. So I think that factors in. I, I guess if, you're if you really love Baker Mayfield and you think they're going to make him the guy, then you're probably real confident. If you're not, that's probably going to affect your score. Uh, Ashley, we're going to make you go first on this one. The Ashley Solves It podcast <laughs> once again. Our, fo <laughs> our football insiders said 4.8. That was the oh. average. They, they give me an average. I don't think anybody actually said 4.8, but since we're doing <laughs> decimal. That would have been impressive. Um, <laughs> I'm very close to that average. I gave it a five. I'm right okay. in the middle. And I mean, it just is because, Dan, I, I actually wasn't taking into account. I, I looked at this more of like your confidence in Baker. And I think there's some uncertainty there, obviously, going into next season. Um, but when you explained it that way, too, it's it's kind of like, well, since I'm not entirely sure about his future here, that means for the room in general, I'm, I'm going to stick with that rating that um, I just think obviously the, the injury was an issue, but again, we've talked so much about, okay, how much of it is the injury versus the way he processes versus his size? Obviously um, there's a lot of factors here. And again, when we talk about the big decisions, this front office is going to have to make in the next couple of years, this is, number one on the list to see how they handle this and how it plays out over the next two to five years, however you want to look at it. So I'm right in the middle in terms of confidence. I will say right off the bat, this was my lowest rating that I gave to any of these categories we're going to talk about. So right in the middle. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm right. Maybe you guys looked at it differently. Maybe you looked at it as, as like a, a confidence level in, in Baker. I, I kind of viewed it like just the quarterback position as a whole over the next however many years. I, I do think it ends up kind of being one in the same, at least in my yeah. mind, my interpretation of it, because since I'm not, like I said, since I'm not fully 100%, like, yes, this is the guy long-term that in turn affects everything else around him in that room. So Scott, I guess, what was your thinking and what was your rating? I looked at it more as Baker um, and the confidence level in him. And I, I, mean, I, this is, I went with seven on this because I've seen healthy Baker in this offense, and I don't believe that he's, you know, quote-unquote elite quarterback here, but I don't think he has to be. I mean, we saw them win with him being himself, and I, old enough to remember the first two games of this season when he completed like over 80% of his passes and looked pretty good um, before all the injuries hit, so – you know, I, I guess I'm banking on him coming back healthy and, uh, you know, the offense coming back with some sort of answers at wide receiver um, and this thing working. I, I don't know. I, I guess I put more on this past season as number one, the injury and number two, the injury, you know, like the physical event, uh, affecting the mental, which is something we brought up before here on the podcast. Um so, yeah, I think healthy Baker can work with this offense and can win with this offense. And, that, and I do think that's sort of to Ashley's point. I think that they're kind of one in the same. I mean, if you believe that the Baker we saw in 2020 is a real Baker, then I, I think that is your confidence level long-term too, not just for this year. But Mary Kay, where'd you land? You know, I'm at a five here. I'm at a five. I was thinking of it 
more in terms of confidence in Baker Mayfield going forward. And I still have those last couple of games in my mind. Uh, I have the last sort of half of the season in my mind. So there is a recency bias here where I just, you know, didn't end up feeling good about uh, him being the, the future of the franchise at quarterback right now, based on what I saw in those games. I felt like perhaps he may have gotten exposed somewhat as well in the, uh, in the Pittsburgh game in terms of, uh, you know, just being hemmed into the pocket and having uh, guys sort of read his eyes and batting down balls. I feel like in some ways defenses caught up to him this year. And uh, again, it can all change and it can get better. And that's what the Browns are counting on and banking on. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. Uh, I, I'm feeling that it's uh, a situation where from a leadership standpoint and from a confidence standpoint, I, I feel like all those things took a hit with him this year. And again, maybe, maybe they'll all get better after the surgery and, and all those kinds of things. Um, but I feel like he lost some of the locker room this year. And it's going to, I think it's going to be a little hard for him to get that back. I don't know that he has the full faith and confidence of his defense, which I think it was really hard on the defense to watch him uh, put up only, um, you know, 17 points or fewer in whatever, 10 of the last 14 games. And uh, so I don't know. I, I just feel like in watching all the playoff games, the divisional round, the championship week, it just seems like they, they have to get up to speed with, with the amazing quarterback play going on in the NFL right now, there's a renaissance, especially in the AFC, really, really good quarterbacks in the AFC. And I think they're only getting better. I think the upside is still there. This was only Joe Burrow's second season. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be better next year. Who knows? Deshaun Watson could be over there in, uh, in Pittsburgh. And if he's not somebody else good, probably will be unless they decide that they're going to, be willing to take a step back. And that just doesn't feel like a Pittsburgh vibe to me. Um, but when, when you look at the, you know, the Herberts and just all these good, good quarterbacks in the NFL, I, I think the Browns have to, uh, I think they have to get in line. I think they need to upgrade and maybe it can be Baker, but I'm right in the middle right now with, with how I feel about that. And I just, maybe he'll prove me wrong, but that's where I'm at. I went really low on this, I guess. <laughs> I, I gave it a three and just because there's too much, I don't know in, in all of this for me. Like I just, if you ask me how confident I am in Baker or just ask me how confident I am in the quarterback position, I just can't sit here and say like, I'm super confident. You know, I could talk myself into, I, I could certainly talk myself into the argument that a healthy Baker is going to run this offense efficiently it's going to be good enough to get them to the playoffs. And once you're in the tournament, anything can happen. But I, I can also talk myself into, well, maybe the league figured Baker out a little bit. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, well, then I don't know who the quarterback is. So it was just hard for me to say that I have any sort of confidence. It's more just me being really wishy-washy about the position, just not knowing. I, I just can't go very high on this. So I went really low. I actually went with a three, um, which... I, I'm not surprised kind of where we all landed on it. Okay, Scott, I was a little surprised how high you went. But um, I, we, we come up with an average of 4.96. Does, does that feel about right, I guess, as a consensus? Scott, I know obviously you were arguing it was a, you went with a yeah. seven. 
I think the consensus right in the middle, basically. Yeah, and that's where it should be because it's such. I mean, we've done polls and and asked our insiders, and we've seen on Twitter, it's it's all over the map on how fans feel about Baker Mayfield. So I think the fact that we landed somewhere near the middle, uh, that's representative, I think, of how most people view him. I mean, we did do a whole series the week yeah. after Andrew Barry said Baker was going to be the starting quarterback mm-hmm. next year on how yeah. we're going to replace Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so well, I guess that sums it up. Dan, when when you you know, when you started this category out, you said, you know, you could either look at it in terms of Baker or other quarterbacks too. And I think that's part of it. And if you were thinking of it more globally, I think that, you know, you might have some question marks about if it's not Baker, who is it? And what is it going forward? Because nobody knows the answer to any of those questions yet. If they really did want to try to turn it over to another veteran for 2022, who is that going to be? I mean, those options seem to be dwindling as we go along here. Kirk Cousins, I think the uh, the likelihood now of him staying in Minnesota have increased with what's going on there. A lot of it will come down to money with some of these quarterbacks. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in terms of Derek Carr, uh, now Derek Carr needs to get an extension for everything to be rosy in Vegas. But just in terms of the coach, uh, I, I think that Josh McDaniels in Vegas sort of increases the chances that you know, they want to work with Derek and maybe Derek wants to work with Josh seeing, of course, what he was able to do uh, all of those years in New England. Uh, So it just doesn't seem like there are going to be a lot of opportunities to upgrade to a veteran. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, a lot of people don't even think he's an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. Um, So I can see, I can kind of see, Scott, why you went with a seven. And I can see why you went with a three, Dan, because it just depends on kind of how you look at it. I mean, if you really do look at Baker Mayfield and say, hey, did everybody forget who the heck he was at the second in the second half of 2020 when he was healthy? Did, did everybody forget that guy that could just, uh, you know, stick his foot in the ground and fire that ball uh, and, and the receivers beat their man one on one and, and he, he was able, they were able to win those contested balls and and those one-on-one matchups all the time. And he threw a bunch of touchdowns down the stretch and no interceptions. Uh, so if he returns and if he becomes that guy again, that's a seven. If, if he doesn't become that guy again, that's a three. So it's a big unknown. And the thing that we will all be talking about until midway through next year, probably. And to go back to the Mayfield matrix stuff, I mean, when we pulled subscribers at the end of that, the top option with 25% of the vote that fans liked was bring in a veteran option, but then tied at two were go all in on Baker without an extension or trade him for a more established QB. And those answers both had 23%. So you don't get much more divided than that when you have half the people saying bring in a vet and then, you know, go it all in and trade him. And those are your top three answers. Yeah. And I, I think, look, I think part of this too, is the Browns are probably looking at it and saying like, you know, what, what are our options, right? If it's not Baker, who, I mean, they're asking that same question. And to me, when you, when you go through those options, unless we're talking, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, or, you know, Deshaun Watson, if he's even able to play, whatever unless we're talking that elite level, you do start to think like, okay, so even if they upgraded or brought in a veteran, would that change my ranking that much? Kirk Cousins would probably change it a little. Jimmy Garoppolo, 
might change it a little. I mean, I guess just having a, a long-term plan would help change it, but I don't know how many of these mid-tier veterans not named Derek Carr would really get me super excited and bump my my rating from like, you know, they might make it a four or five. I don't know that a lot of these guys would, would bump it up to seven or eight necessarily. Yeah, and there's not, and, and I just got back from uh, the Senior Bowl where five of the top six quarterbacks were there. And there's certainly no sure bet. I mean, there are some intriguing possibilities there. And, you know, we talked about that during the matrix of, you know, maybe drafting somebody in the second round, the third round. But I mean, it's not like you can look and say, oh, they can get a guy at 13 that can come in here, compete with Baker and be ready to go in his rookie season and do a better job than Baker Mayfield. I didn't necessarily see that. I mean, we don't know how it's going to play out yet, of course. I've heard people say, you know, that uh, I heard somebody on the radio say today, nobody's worth the 13, as high as the 13th overall pick at quarterback, but they're going to go higher than that. So there is a lot of uncertainty. And next year is supposed to be the the better quarterback year. But but they have a whole whole year to get through. They will have a whole season to get through. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who they're going to get through it with. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll look on the talent on both sides of the football. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Let's talk about the talent on the roster, and let's look at the offensive talent overall. And I I didn't include quarterback in this because we made quarterback its own separate thing. Uh, Football Insider subscribers gave it a six. I echoed them. I also went with six. So my reasoning was I don't know about receiver. We'll see. I'm going to assume that they're going to upgrade there, whether it's through free agency, the draft, or both. I love the running backs. And I think, you know, if we're looking out, see, long-term in the NFL is tough. I mean, you know, we're, we're, you're not looking out 10 years on players for the most part. You know, we're looking four or five years maybe. So I feel good about the running backs. I feel good about most of the offensive line. And Mary Kay, you reported from the senior bowl that Jack Conklin is actually on track to, to be ready to go at the start of the season. So that's big. So I feel good about most of the offensive line. You know, there's still questions, but I feel good enough. I probably went low now that I'm talking about it, but I feel like this is a six until I kind of see what they do at receiver. And then, you know, in three months, I might be giving it a seven or eight. I like the offensive talent on this football team. Ashley, what did you have? I had slightly higher. I did go with the seven and now hearing you talk, I'm like, Hmm, maybe I was a little higher than, than in actuality, how I'm thinking about it. But like you Dan, I mean, obviously receiver is the biggest question. We talked on the tight end podcast about, we think that room is going to look the same, but there are obviously still some questions there. Um, tackle, you know, I think Jed Wills is a question, even if Jack Conklin comes back on time and is fully healthy and, and everything like that. But um, we just obviously talked about quarterback and some questions there. But overall, you know, I think that core of your offensive line in Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, fantastic. Running backs, not many complaints. So I think the the really good parts of this offense are really good. So that kind of bumped the rating up for me, despite some of these questions that, you know, a question like Baker Mayfield, that could take a couple of years to play out. Some of these things we're going to have answers on a lot sooner than that. And given my confidence in the front office, I think maybe those will be some good answers. So I'm willing to give this a little bit higher of a rating. And Mary Kay, I guess, you know, as I think about it too, we're, we're going to talk about this on the defense. I just have more questions about like, 
how much longer is JC Treader going to be your center? How much longer is, you know, there's some areas where I'm like, okay, how is this going to look in two to three years? Then I will on the defensive side of the ball when we get to that. Where, where did you rank the offensive talent? You know, I had the offense at a six. I had them right at a six. And once again, it could be because, uh, you know, I could be thinking about uh, what I saw in the second half of the season and down the stretch. And I have that foremost in my mind. But I, I do think that the quarterback has to factor into this. So, you know, I couldn't go too high uh, because of uncertainty of the quarterback situation. Uh, receiver, I think they need three good new receivers. And I don't know that it's going to be that easy to plug in three guys like that. And, uh, and at least, it's got to be at least two. But uh, I don't know that it's going to be that easy to plug them in right away and get everything that you need out of that position. But that needs an overhaul. And then as far as the tight ends are concerned, will the tight ends be better with better quarterback play? Probably. I mean, if, if Baker's feeling better, uh, he's going to do a much better job in terms of distributing the ball to everyone. Uh, uh, if Now, I did talk to, once again, Jack Conklin's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, at the Senior Bowl, and he was very excited and enthusiastic about the fact that Jack is rehabbing at the Browns facility ahead of schedule, doing great, on track to be there. But no one really knows exactly how that's going to go. Uh, you've got to get him out there on the field. You have to see how he actually really feels uh, when, when push comes to shove. And he also had a few other injuries. He had a, knee, a different knee injury and a dislocated elbow. So I still think that they have to be thinking in terms of depth at that position. Left tackle, we've mentioned that. Uh, there definitely needs to be a jump up there in performance at left tackle. I think there will be. I think that uh, him getting healthy over the offseason and working really hard will make a, a huge impact. Uh, running back, they're totally fine there. They're totally fine at guard. But those are really only the only two spots that you can honestly say that they're golden at. Guard and running back, everything else has some question marks. And so, therefore, I think six feels about right to me. Scott, where did you land? Yeah, I went back and forth between six and seven. I'm going to split the difference and say six and a half. I, I'm confident that they're going to have a young, exciting new wide receiver, uh, but I am skeptical of the kind of free agent they can attract, knowing that they throw so uh, few targets to wide receivers here, and the receivers who are free agents are going to be well aware of that. Um, it's going to take a special kind of person to come here and want to be part of this offense. And then with tight ends, I mean, obviously Njoku is the free agent, but I mean, Hooper can be a June cut and they could end up spreading out his guaranteed money over the next two years. Then that might be a way to get out from under that deal. Um, I'm guessing they are looking at that contract and wondering if he's worth what they paid, <laughs> paid for him uh, a couple years ago. So I, I mean, those are, those are two really important positions, especially tight end. I mean, I don't, they're going to tweak this offense, but it's not going to be, let's forget about 13 personnel. It's still going to be a huge part of what they do, but you could be down two tight ends there potentially um, and having to find replacements. So uh, I guess I'm not as worried about the offensive line um, as some might be, but I, I think tight end, what they do there, is going to be a big deal. Um, and then, yeah, they're going to have a young, exciting receiver. Beyond that, I'm not sure. And I think that's going to help, though. Um, so, yeah, I think six and a half. I mean, 
this offense really isn't too far from what it was going into last season as far as the people they could potentially have. So it's, I mean, we obviously we had high hopes and, and lots of praise for, for this group uh, going into this past season. So I don't think it should fall that much, but um, there are some definite questions. And this is apparently a very deep tight end draft class. So we might kind of know what they're planning with Austin Hooper before they do it, depending on how they approach uh, that, that position in the draft as well. Okay, defense. Uh, this one, our football insiders uh, came in pretty high. 7.63 was the average uh, for our football insiders when they all filled out that survey. Scott, what did you have with the defense? Did you ask everybody to also include uh, things they've said about Joe Woods over the past season when they when they <laughs> gave their rating? I think no, that because be... I didn't because I didn't want to have to do that either. <laughs> oh, okay, I give this an eight. Uh, because even though there are a lot of free agents on this defense, they're at spots where either one, they were going to be upgrading anyways, or number two, they have people who are potentially going to move into those roles. Like you knew you were going to redo the inside interior of the defense. Um, you didn't think Malik Jackson was a long-term solution there. He was only on a one-year deal. Anyways, um, you kind of took a risk with McDowell. Um, doesn't look like that's going to work out. So outside of Clowney, which is obviously would be a big loss. I mean, Anthony Walker, you have to figure they, you know, they got, you got Jacob Phillips kind of waiting to, to be that guy. And this could be his opportunity. Malcolm Smith is there for depth. Um, you have guys to, to fill that role. And then Grant Delpit, I think was always going to kind of move in and be that guy with John Johnson, the third. And uh, it kind of happened over the end of the season. So uh, I think this defense is in a really good place and you have key, I mean, you have a core player at every level of this defense and not a lot of teams have that. Um, so that's, that's huge. So even losing some of these free agents, they either have guys to come in or they have the guy or multiple guys to, to build around at every level. So someone who doesn't need to walk back anything about Joe Woods, Mary Kay, <laughs> where did you have, where did you have this defense rated? I went with an eight as well. Uh, and I, I might've gone a little bit higher, but I think when you look at the defensive front, uh, you can hang your hat on a couple of guys, Miles Garrett and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Uh, but beyond that, there's a lot of uncertainty. Now, I don't think they worry too much about filling in at linebacker. I think they feel okay about that. In terms of the defensive line, I think they have a little bit of, of rebuilding to do there, especially if Jadavian Clowney decides to sign elsewhere. So you could be looking, I mean, I think they feel like they already have the two of the guys for the middle that they would like to plug in there in terms of Elliot and Tommy Togi. I think they're sort of, you know, the, the immediate future at the defensive tackle position, but I think they still have to come up with a, a pretty good answer at defensive end opposite miles. And it's a pretty good draft for that. Uh, there were some pretty darn good players at the senior bowl that can play defensive end. Um, and throughout the draft, I think that it seems to be fairly deep to the point where you might seriously consider going D end at number 13. I mean, that that's how, how good some of these guys are and how that's shaping up to be. Um, so, yeah, I think eight's good. I think the future looks bright, especially if you uh, add to that very 
important number two DN spot. Yeah, I, I keep trying to talk myself into DN to 13 because I think there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons it makes sense, especially if you think maybe you can get some uh, fix that receiver spot in the second round, which, which is certainly possible. And we've seen really good receivers come out of that second round. Um, you know, and, and have an impact. So I, I am curious kind of how they approach that. Ashley, what did you have with the defense? I went slightly higher and gave them a nine. And part of that, I think, was I gave the offense a seven. So I kind of <laughs> thought my defensive rating, I wanted to make slightly higher uh, in that regard. But I think a big part of it for me has to do with, I just think we have not even fully seen prime Miles Garrett and prime Denzel Ward yet. And I think that is such a big part of it. Um, obviously, we talked about on the linebackers podcast how big JOK is to this team. And there are definitely some personnel questions. Um, if Clowney leaves, that would definitely be a hit like we've talked about. Um, I think when we talk about the interior of that defensive line, you have to save money somewhere in these positions. And, for, you know, given this scheme, I just don't think they value that as highly to go and make like a super, super splashy signing and kind of have to rely on development. I think John Johnson, the third is going to play some better football next year. And like you guys talked about uh, on that defensive backs uh, position breakdown pod, like he was better in LA than he was here. So we think we're all kind of in agreement that he has more to show, I think. So Overall, I just feel really confident. And this was my highest rating out of all of these categories. Yeah, I went with an eight. And so we're going to end up with an overall rating here, a consensus rating of, how about this for some decimals, 8.126 uh, for, for this defense long-term. And I think it just comes down to not only do you have good players, but like you're, you're stable. It's really hard to keep a defense together for a long time. It just is. That's why you don't see these teams that are built around defenses you know, contend for super long windows of time. It just gets really expensive to keep guys together. But this team has a lot of guys that they, they have some guys under cost control still. You know, Denzel's probably going to get an extension. I, I would imagine this offseason. Um, so you'll have him and Miles locked up. John Johnson is here for a while. Grant Delpit's here for a while. You know, Greedy showed you something, and, and he's here for at least a, a couple more years. There's just stability in this group, and it's really young. And that's, that's, that's hard to do in the NFL is to have a stable young defense and they've got it. And Joe Woods really kind of put it all together there in the second half of the season. And so I'm excited to see what they can do here with a full off season. You know what else, Dan, Dan and, and everybody, you guys, uh, I think that this regime is demonstrating that they're, that they can draft well for defense. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's key. I mean, you look at a team like, you know, the Steelers and the Ravens, and they, they drafted really good defenders. And I think the Browns are starting to show uh, that they're able to do that. And I think the, the Greg Newsom pick, the, um, the JOK pick, the Grant Delpit pick, I think they're demonstrating uh, that they have a really, really good handle on that. And I think they still have to prove that on the other side of the ball. So I think that's why I have more confidence going forward uh, in the defense right now. And, and we talk a lot about the offensive coaches, uh, but just kind of circle back to that real quick. I mean, these defensive coaches have done a really nice job as well. Um, you've got Chris Kiffin, who of course left to, uh, to go coach with his brother, uh, be a co-defensive coordinator there. Um, you know, Jeff Howard was just the defensive coordinator at the East West Shrine Bowl. So, so he's still kind of an up and coming guy and he was part of that defensive, back, and he is the defensive backs coach. Um, so 
this is a really well coached group too. And it speaks to this, by the way, I got a, an email from our defensive backs pod and somebody said, Hey, you guys forgot to talk about AJ green. I was thinking about that at the end of that pod. I was <laughs> thinking that like, we forgot about AJ. Not green. that AJ green is some sort of building block, but here's a guy they've took, they took as an undrafted free agent. And when they needed him to come in and play, he did all right. Mm-hmm. You know, that having guys yeah, like that, yeah. that shows you something about kind of that eye for talent and, and that ability yes. to coach it up. Absolutely. AJ green and MJ Stewart were two of the biggest reasons why the Browns ended the year number one in PFF coverage grading because they did so well in limited action. Or yeah. AJ Green too, that, that pass interference call against the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> did everything right. Okay, uh, here's the last one. And, and this is a big one here and it's ownership. Uh, our Football Insider subscribers gave it uh, a 6.58. Mary Kay, what would you give your, your confidence level in the ownership group long-term? Well, it's, it's funny. So I, I keep almost being right exactly with what the uh, the texters <laughs> are, are saying. Like, I'm like right on par with them. I gave this a seven. I gave it a seven because once again, I think the, the absolute most important thing uh, that they have to be able to do is uh, they have to get the quarterback thing right. And I think that's vitally important. And it's hard to get a good one, especially once you start winning. The rest of the team is now good enough that they're probably not going to be having the number one overall pick anytime soon. So you're not going to be able to get your hands on the best quarterback in the draft, even when that comes, you know, even when the good quarterback class comes around in the draft, you're not going to get that guy. So you have to find a way to get really good elite quarterback play. And, uh, and so that's why I, you know, I'm kind of in wait and see mode here, because if you don't have that, then everything else can unravel. I mean, look what happened this past year when they didn't get good quarterback play, all of a sudden Kevin Stefanski became in the minds of a lot of people, not a very good football coach. Right. And that happens very quickly where the narrative starts to crumble if you're not getting good quarterback play and you're not winning football games. So they have to get that right. And like I said, at the outset, they're at a crossroads here. They have to figure this out. They need a good long-term solution. And once again, as we have told everybody, if Baker Mayfield emerges from his fifth year option year as the future of the Cleveland Browns quarterback position, it will be the first time that's happened since 2011. So he will be an outlier in that way. Maybe he can be that. Maybe he can't. But I just think seven is about where I'm feeling this because of that. And ownership, quarterback is one of those positions too where ownership really is like, you know, when the Browns sign Miles Garrett to a $125 million extension, you know, Andrew Barry doesn't just knock on Jimmy Haslam's door and say, hey, by the way, we did this. You know, obviously ownership is involved in things like that. But quarterback is like, that's just different. Like that involves every level of the organization. And Jimmy Haslam, when he brought in John Dorsey, it was specifically to fix the quarterback position, find a quarterback. And he drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. You don't draft a quarterback number one overall unless your owner says, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that guy. It's, it's a very different, it's just different. 
whether they be ownership relations, relationship with the quarterback, especially when you start talking high draft picks and big money. Um, that That's a big piece of it. Scott, where did you go with the ownership group? Uh, I, I'm going to go with seven on this because, I mean, I had head coach and GM pretty high too. So uh, I think that adds a lot to the, you know, what you, I do you have about the long-term stability of this. And also, I mean, you have to include the Haslam's in this because they're obviously the ones who can blow it all up. <laughs> uh, but just hearing them talk over the last year or last two years, I mean, they, they seem to really be in a good place with just being comfortable with who they have running things. Um, even through this season, you know, you didn't get the sense that anybody was on the hot seat or that something big was going to happen. Um, so I think them kind of being comfortable with the whole situation helps that stability and gives the people underneath them maybe, you know, the confidence to kind of do what they need to do to kind of work their way through this. So I'm going to go with a seven. Ashley, where'd you go? Yeah, I also had them at a seven and I was thinking about back. I think it was the bi-week podcast where we kind of rated our, our confidence. It was like similar talk where we were like rating our confidence in people. And when the Haslam's came up, you know, we talked about like recently, you haven't really heard from them much like you did in the earlier years of them owning the teams that things had kind of settled down and they were quieter and that ideally that's how owners of teams typically operate. And they finally like had that chance because there weren't little fires everywhere that they're having to put out and rebuilding and things like that. So um, I think that's part of it, but you know, I didn't go higher because along with, with Mary Kay's point, and our discussion earlier, quarterback is such a big question that impacts so much. And for me, until we have an answer on that, it sort of becomes like, okay, well, if it doesn't work out, what are the other ramifications of that? Is there some house cleaning that goes on and, and things of that nature? Is it back to rebuilding? Like whatever happens in the future, I think is so dependent on what happens at quarterback. And for that reason, it's like you can't be fully confident in one way or the other on how things are ultimately going to play out long term. Yeah, I went with six and a half just because sort of of the history, like, you know, that history is still there of them not being real good. But I do think over the last few years, we've seen, I think the whole, and, and, and I mean, look, one of these issues is rearing its ugly head right now, but I think the whole Sashi, Hugh, Paul De Podesta thing just completely blowing up. And there, look, there's still ramifications from that going on, like I mentioned, but um, kind of resetting, you know, after they let John Dorsey hire Freddie Kitchens and that blew up and just sort of letting things stabilize without meddling too much, kind of saying, all right, Paul, handle this. Let's get everybody on the same page finally. And I think the last two years, we've seen owners who are a little more concerned with things like how do we make our facility better how do we you know make the stadium more valuable to us with with this lakefront development i mean those are the things owners should be worrying about and so i think the last two years gives me confidence that they've learned a lot from their mistakes i don't want to go too high yet though just because there there is that history there but i feel better about this ownership group here on february 4th 2022 than i would have two or three years ago for sure all right, so look, this was the state of the Browns. We've, we've done a, a one to 10. I did not ask our Football Insider subscribers an overall rating, mostly because I forgot. But <laughs> <laughs> how, 
how do you guys feel about the Browns long-term? Like, like one to 10, the, the state of this football team, when you think, you know, into next year, but even kind of beyond that, where do you think this football team is? Mary Kay, do you want to go first here? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go first. I, I think that it is about a seven for me, the same uh, that I did with sort of the ownership, which I kind of put as the, uh, you know, the overarching view of how I feel about where this team is going and, and, and where it's headed. Uh, I, I think they're getting it right. I think they're getting it right in a lot of ways. I still think they have a lot to prove. You don't want to, you know, take two steps forward and then take three steps backwards. And they took a step backwards this year. So, and they're in a very, very tough division. This is a very tough division, obviously. Uh, and now they've got to go out and try to win the AFC North. And if you don't win the AFC North, it's going to be really, really hard to make the playoffs going forward. So, um, so I think for those reasons, it's sort of like, okay, show us what you have. You know, now you've got to kind of come from behind a little bit and, uh, and prove that you, you know, you can go out there and, and seize the moment in a very, very tough division uh, with uncertainty at quarterback. So I'm at a seven. Yeah. I'm actually, probably stick. Oh, go ahead. Oh, good. I was going to say, I was going to stick around there too, like seven. I mean, other than Hugh Jackson, which was a weird situation all around, you have to go back to Romeo Cornell to find a coach who went into a third year. Um, and this is the first guy who's had any sort of success going into that third year. So uh, yeah, I think, Browns fans should be happy with where the team's at, even though it was a frustrating season. Um, again, like with all the things we've said so far about their ability in the draft and the players they brought in and how they've handled uh, some, of, some of the weird things that have happened, some adversity. I think uh, you can be confident that uh, the team kind of worked through this and, uh, and get, get back to more of what they were in 2020. Ashley, what did you have? Well, I'm going to get technical. I averaged out all the numbers I gave. So it's at a 7.3 right now between all my ratings that I give. And I think that's about right. Like I do have some, there's obviously a lot of questions that have to be answered by the organization um, in terms of talent, in terms of quarterback, things like that. But given my kind of overall confidence in the fact that they have the right people in charge right now, um, I am optimistic that they can answer those questions, even though they exist. So I think that's probably about right and fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the quarterback question looms over all of it. Who's going to be your quarterback for, for the long term? Um, you know, but I, again, I find confidence in the fact that this team went eight and nine this year and nothing happened. Like it was just sort of, OK, let's turn the page to next year. Right. I mean. You know, Mike Pettin had a relatively successful first year, and then it fell apart fast, right? When as soon as that team started struggling, um, you know, the whole Freddie Kitchens disaster is something, something else, right? Like we just didn't have that. It was a disappointing year. They didn't live up to the hype or the expectations, and now it's just kind of like, all right, well, let's go fix it. Now, if they have another disappointing year, there probably will be some changes, but you know, it feels more stable than it's ever felt outside of whatever. I mean, even at quarterback, they're saying Baker Mayfield is going to be their starter. We'll, we'll see if that's actually the case, but even that at least feels stable, whether you believe in that plan or not, at least there's stability. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with you guys. I give this about a seven. All right. Yeah. You know, you know what I was going to say real quick that, you know, I don't see seasons where 
you know, they're going to win three games. They're going to win four games. I don't, I don't see that coming down the road. I see them contending consistently uh, for the foreseeable future. And I think that's important. Yeah. Like this felt like the floor, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Like this year, like seven and 10 or eight and nine, this felt like, okay, that was, that was a bad year for this team. And Mm -hmm. if, seven and 10 and eight and nine are going to be your bad years. Right. Th- that gives you an opportunity to build. There we go. Our state of the Browns round table podcast. Uh, we'll be coming back next week with five more podcasts. we got a pretty good theme uh, coming your way regarding one of the teams in the Super Bowl. You're also going to see posts about that on cleveland.com slash Browns. So stay tuned for that. Make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. And if you're not a football insider subscriber, you missed out on our survey uh, cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get the info and get signed up for that uh, ashley scott mary Kay, i'll talk to y'all later